Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, my guest today. I'm very excited to welcome Gino Wickman to the show. Gino, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, so am I. So am I. Very excited about uh, having you join us. If you're dreaming of becoming an entrepreneur, and then first you have to understand that there's a lot on the line, obviously. There's a lot at risk. And, and when you take that leap and launch your first business, there's, there's a lot of questions you have to ask yourself. But the most difficult and the most important question, and we're going to chat about that quite a bit today, is do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Gina Wickman is the best-selling author of Traction. I'm sure a lot of you have been, you've been listening to my show. have heard of that book. I've heard of the work that he does. He's the creator as well of the uh, Entrepreneur Operating System, EOS. And he's with me today to share his real-world experience to help you decide if entrepreneurship is right for you. And if you already are in your business, is, it's still worth asking that question. Is, is this what you really are made for? Because success as an entrepreneur depends a far more on just that idea and, and luck. You, you need to be the right type of person to be a successful entrepreneur. If you want to receive more information about the How of Business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, and also if you want to schedule a free coaching consultation with me, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So let, let me tell you a little bit more about Gino for those of you who may not know. Uh, he's been an entrepreneur since age 21, when he, and he's had always an obsession for learning about what makes businesses and entrepreneurs thrive. At age 25, he took over the family business, his dad's business, which was deeply in debt and need of help. And after turning that company around and running it for seven years, he and his partners successfully sold that company. Gino then set out to help other entrepreneurs, and we're going to chat a little bit about why he decided to do that, but he set out to help other entrepreneurs and leaders get what they want from their businesses. Based on those years of real-world experience, he created the Entrepreneur Operating System, or EOS, as you've probably heard it referred to. It's a practical method for helping companies achieve greatness. He has personally developed, or delivered rather, more than 1,900 full-day sessions that are part of the implementation process of EOS for more than 135 companies, helping them implement that EOS. He's also the author of award-winning books. These are must-read books, in my opinion. The best-selling book, Traction, which I have here on my desk. Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business, as well as Get a Grip, Rocket Fuel, and How to Be a Great Boss, and What the Heck is EOS is another great book. Gino, as I said, is the founder of EOS Worldwide, an organization that helps thousands of businesses implement EOS with the aid of an international team of over 350 professionals and certified EOS implementers and online support. There are almost 100,000 companies, it's probably over that now, that are using the EOS tools worldwide. As I may have mentioned, or maybe I was mentioning to Gino before we started recording, I happen to be working with a couple of my consultant clients who are implementing or have implemented EOS. Uh, Gino is now devoting his time and energy toward helping entrepreneurs in the making get a huge jump start on taking their entrepreneurial leap, which is why he created Entrepreneurial Leap, which is the book that we're going to focus on in this conversation. Gino lives in Livonia, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. 
that's a lot longer than I usually take to introduce people, Gino, but I think it was just worthy of uh, explaining your background and that, that backstory. Once again, Gino Wickman, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to this. Um, so I, I want to start as we usually do on this podcast with a little bit of the journey. I, I'm curious though, as I was doing the research, do you live in Livonia? No, that's actually where the office is. And ah. so I actually live in Milford, Michigan. Okay. And, and why Livonia? Was that just convenient for you and others at the, uh, at the organization? When I chose my session room location to work with my clients, that was the most centrally located between where I live in Milford and where most of them live. And so I had to pick kind of the perfect building that provided a lunch. And so it just, it was putting a, putting a, a, a pin in a map, and that was the building that made the most sense. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Hungry Howie's is big up there. Are you familiar with the Hungry Howie's pizza chain? Uh, yeah, they actually happen to be a client of mine. Is that right? So my first business in 1991 was a Mr. Jim's pizza franchise in Dallas. And Jim Johnson and Howie, I forget the gentleman's name, they worked together in Michigan and then they kind of separated and Jim went down to Dallas to start Mr. Jim's, but it's essentially the same, very similar recipes. So mm. that's why I was curious as to whether you knew them or not. Fantastic. I do. Yeah. All right. So we've told the story. I don't want to rehash that. Everybody has that knows about you knows the origins and I just shared it at the outset. But one of the couple of things I want to touch on, you did not go to college. You talk about that in the book, looking back at it now as a business owner, uh, how do you think it helped you? And maybe how do you think it, it hurt you not having a college degree? Yeah, it's a great, great place to start. You know, so for me, just a little bit of history on that is I graduated high school with a solid 2.3 grade point <laughs> average. And, you know, high school was just nothing but a party for me. Okay. So, so what I learned very early on is academics are not for me. And I just learned very, very different than the way that academia teaches. And so I just knew college wasn't for me and I just could not wait to get out of schooling. Um, and as I, all of my friends went off to college, I went off to make money. So I just knew I wanted to make money. And, and I, in the last 30 something years, I've spent on average 5% of my income on education. And so I've spent enough money on education to get three PhDs. Uh, but, but for me, I just realized I had to learn hands-on in just a very, very different way. So it helped me from a standpoint of, you know, if I had parents that forced me to go to college, uh, it would have been a disaster mm. uh, and wasted money. And so where it helped me is, you know, getting a jumpstart four years early on my entrepreneurial life. Where it hurt me, you know, is if I did go to college and if I were savvy enough to know the right classes to take, you know, I might have learned some things faster. And it's interesting you ask that question because I write a chapter in this book called College or Not, because every entrepreneur that's, you know, 17 or younger needs to make a decision. Are they going to go to college? And I, I present all of the facts. Um, but in your question, I asked all of my clients that were MBAs, um, you know, do you use anything as an entrepreneur from your degree, as an entrepreneur from your degree? And in every case, they told me no. And so I had an instant bias that's, why would you go to college as an entrepreneur? But five years ago, I started asking a follow-up question of that. And it was, knowing everything you know now, would you 
do it over again and go to college? And in every case, they say yes. And so I asked why, I mean, they gave two reasons. It had very little to do with the education. It was number one, the relationships that they formed and built that served them well later in life. And number two, the practice and testing ground, you know, creating ideas and products and services and, and, and selling them to their friends or practicing things. And so with that said, you know, I missed out on that benefit that they described, but I wouldn't change a thing because, yeah. uh, you know, I, academia is not for me. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. I didn't get to go to college either for, for all kinds of different reasons, but I struggled with it as my daughter got to that age. She just graduated from college and, and directing her because she has an entrepreneurial desire. But the other thing I think that you get from it, Gino, is it helps you learn how to learn. Now, you did that on your own, but I think that's the other thing that, that maybe it does for young people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's not the first time I've heard that. You know, I have a client that says that over and over. It feels very strongly. And I, to I totally get it. Yeah. Okay. So you had this opportunity to take over your dad's business at the time you were 24 years old or so. Where did this uh, belief, confidence come from to think that you could fix it? Yeah, so it, I had a very uncommon journey to becoming an entrepreneur. And so right out of high school, again, I knew I wasn't going to college. I just wanted to get to work. I wanted to make money. Didn't know I was an entrepreneur then, but I certainly had ADHD and all of the traits. So I went to work in a machine shop for three and a half years, busted my butt 61 hours a week, making a lot of money, saved up money. And, and so it was right around age 21 that you know, I got the bug that I need to go do something. I need to go start something. I saved $8,500 and I left there thinking I was going to open a corporate travel agency. Hmm. Uh, I went and worked for one and sold corporate travel to understand the business and realize in six months, there's no way in hell I'm going into that business. <laughs> uh, then I, I got into mail order business and that didn't work. And then I started buying and selling real estate, flipping houses, things like that, rentals. And um, with that, lost all of my money, failed at everything. And, uh, but with real estate, I found myself, the deals I would do, the real estate agent was putting the commissions in their pocket. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get my license and I'm going to, you know, take that commission, make that commission. And so upon getting my license, the company that my dad had created was real estate sales training. In, the, in residential real estate. And that's obviously the license that I had gotten. And as I was bumping along, losing all the money I saved, things weren't working. I was doing decent with the real estate. I ended up getting my license and realizing what my dad's company did. I jumped into the real estate industry with both feet. I sold real estate for about three years, uh, very successfully. I was making a six-figure income at 24, 23 years old and um, became very enamored with my dad's company and what it was doing and the impact it was having on the world. And I set a goal for myself and I said, I wanna be the president of that company. And my dad did not want his kids in the business. And so his answer was no to that, but I convinced his partner and his partner was really enamored with me, wanted me in the business. And so he convinced my dad. And so my dad said to me, go sell $5 million in real estate and when you do come and talk to me. And so there's a great lesson for second generation entrepreneurs in that little message there. And so I just, I went and did exactly that. 
And, and then I got my foot in the door in the business. I started at the bottom selling his products door to door. I went from making a hundred grand a year to 25 grand a year. That's the second time I went broke. And in about a year and a half, I worked my way up to taking over that business because what I discovered as I worked my way up through that organization is it was unfortunately in trouble and it was in desperate need of a turnaround. And so up until then, when I talk about how I learned how to educate myself, I was obsessed with everything I could get my hands on in the way of learning about success and business and entrepreneurship. And so I really thought I could save the company. Uh, I took the reins. I repre replaced the prior president and uh, in three years was able to completely turn the business around. And I was armed with two amazing mentors. In addition to the sponge for knowledge that I was, I had my dad, who's one of the most incredible entrepreneurs, teachers, speakers, and Sam Cup, who was an incredible business mentor of mine. And so I was able to turn it around, like I said, in three years, got out of some deep, ugly debt, got the company growing again. And then after about seven years, there were three of us that each owned a third. We decided it was time to sell and sold the business. Is it, is, when does this then, this interest and focus on how the business operates that, that leads eventually to developing EOS? Because as you're describing it, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing is what I've seen often, your, your focus on sales, the, the uh, you know, aggressively turning around the company. Usually that doesn't result in that focus on the operation side of thing, or am I missing something? Uh, you know, I, you're not. And I think, you know, again, it's just what I'm equipped to do. I'm, you know, as we get later into this conversation, we might talk about the visionary integrator concept in rocket fuel. And that's not right. the intention of this podcast. Um, but with that, I am the rare individual that can do both. Okay. And so, you know, I am a visionary, I am an entrepreneur, but I also have this detail orientation where I just totally get operations and systems and I have a way of just kind of systemizing everything. And so armed with that, I just totally got the business and what needed to happen. And I went to work and borderline killed myself <laughs> for three years. But, uh, but it, was, it was an incredible education for a guy in his mid-20s. It was okay. amazing. Okay, but in that answer is such a revelation for me, Gino. You have no idea. One of the big questions I had here in being a student of EOS is this separation between the visionary and the integrator. Mm -hmm. And it's almost the way that I've took, have taken it is that you have to be one or the other. And I've always felt like I am pretty good at both. And, and I know that I'm not the only one. And, but you're telling me that you're one of those people that can, it's not that you're proposing for larger organizations, obviously you have to have two roles because there's all kinds of reasons why that's beneficial. But you think you could you are both in one person. Is that fair? Yeah, and it's in in the 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 statistics are very clear, you know, and and again, so now we're talking about rocket fuel. And so if your listeners are getting intrigued by this topic, they all need to read it because they need to decide, you know, if they're a pure visionary and how soon they need to get their integrator because they'll grow twice as fast. And you may want to do a podcast with my co-author, Mark Winters. He does all the rocket fuel visionary integrator podcasts. But, but yes is the answer, and it's one out of 20, okay? And so one out of 20 visionary entrepreneurs possesses the skill set to do both. Yeah. And so it sounds like you're one of those one out of 20. I'm one of those one out of 20. And, it, and it's not a, a great thing because 
that means we have OCD. And so we are so detail oriented that we tend to really stress out because the classic visionary doesn't have that high follow through and they're kind of able to let go of things mentally where we keep it all in our brains, man. And it's right. It's awesome. but, but at the same time, though, you you were talking about your your ADD, you, you're a high quick start in your Colby score. I'm not as high as of a quick start as you are. So it's just interesting that nonetheless, you do enjoy the follow through on implementing and developing those systems. Yeah. And it's, I have ADD and OCD. And so that's <laughs> combo that enables me to do that. You know, I, I really believe that Steve Jobs had that combination as well. His detail orientation was incredible. Yeah. Um, so, but yes, that's, it's, it's, it's a rare bird. It's 5% of all entrepreneurs. And if you are it, it's a blessing. Yeah, and, and I don't know if I am. I don't want to come across as being, you know, trying to say that that I'm all that. I just, I always have struggled with what happened to me is I used to think, well, is it, I'm good at systems. Does that mean that I can't be a visionary? And so I always struggled with that. You follow what I'm saying? And then I also always struggled, Gino, with, I think sometimes people who label themselves are, as visionary are lazy on wanting to do the hard work of actually implementing their ideas. What do you think about that? Oh, it's 100% true. That's why the integrator role is so important for them. And I don't know that I would call it laziness. I would just call it genetic encoding. Okay. You know, their gift is the idea and the spark. They're not great at follow through. And that takes us back to Colby again. They just almost, again, 95% tend to, tend to have low follow through. Yeah. All right. I know I'm jumping around a lot here. But oh, that's okay. I have you a know, lot of I, questions. I, I, I love this because I think we're going to unpack this for your listener um, and I'm always talking to your listener as well as you, because they're on my mind as we're talking here. So when I say, if you have both of those traits, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. I'm not just talking to you. I, I'm talking to them out there. So right. it's, it's fun because we're going to paint a really nice context yeah. for your listener. And, and I think really help a lot of people today. One of the things I was curious about, I didn't realize that until I read your book, this most recent book, is you sold a, a majority interest, I think, in EOS worldwide. And I'm just curious as to why. Yeah, I, I did. I, I sold the business, kept 12.5%. So I consider it selling the business. It's not like I sold a majority, but I decided upon selling close to the end of the deal when it was time to close, I, I said, I want, still want a piece of this. So the, the why is very clear. And it's, um, you know, I teach a concept called delegate and elevate. And so as an entrepreneur, as you grow your business, the way you continue to grow and free yourself up is by delegating and elevating. Well, for 25 years, I delegate one thing a quarter and I keep elevating myself. And it, I got to a point where I had to delegate a company because there were more fun things for me to do. So what happened is when I was 40, I decided that when I turned 50, I'm going to shift my energy and focus and I'm going to go to the front end of the entrepreneurial journey. And I want to teach entrepreneurs in the making how to take a better entrepreneurial leap how to start a better startup, how to be more successful. And, and so that's when I turned 50, that's exactly where I put all of my energy. That's the age I sold the business. And it freed me up to be completely creative and write this new book and focus on this next passion. And so I've now made a 10-year commitment to this project to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So that's, that's what led to this book that we're going to do a little bit deeper dive in here now. It's called Entrepreneurial Leap, Entrepreneurial Leap. And this is Gino's latest book. 
I, I think one place that, that I'd love to start as we get into the book is your explanation, your, your definition of the difference between being self-employed or a solopreneur and being an entrepreneur. Can we start there and get your thoughts on that? Yes, that'd be, that's a great place to start, you know, because I, I think I understand your audience and that is, you know, some percentage have not taken their entrepreneurial leap and they're thinking about whether they should. And some percentage have taken their entrepreneurial leap and they're in startup mode um, or, you know, a few years into building their business. And what you're asking about is something I call the entrepreneurial range. And I think the there's incredible peace that can be created for an entrepreneur or a business owner if they know where they fall on the entrepreneurial range. And so if you picture in your mind out there to your listeners or just illustrate this on a document in front of you, if you picture this arc and on the far right side of the arc, picture the words true entrepreneur. And on the far left side of the arc, if you picture the words self-employed, anyone that owns a business is somewhere on that entrepreneurial range. And what I teach, there's three parts to this book, confirm, glimpse, and path. And so in the first part, confirm, it's all about helping you to confirm whether or not you have what it takes to become an entrepreneur. And I believe a true entrepreneur has six essential traits. And so if you possess those six essential traits, then you are someone who is on the right half of that entrepreneurial range, a true entrepreneur. And if you picture the entrepreneurs that redline the entrepreneurial range, these are the Elon Musk's, Henry Ford, Walt Disney, Oprah Winfrey, Sarah Blakely. And if we go to the far left end of the range, these are sole proprietors, someone with a side hustle a one-person show, a consultant, some of the lifestyle business. And so if by the end of this conversation we're going to have today, the listener deems and discovers they don't have the six essential traits, it's not a death sentence. You can still be self-employed, but it's just a question of where you are on that range because every entrepreneur is not going to go out and build a billion-dollar tech unicorn and it's madness to me because that's what they're all led to believe. They're all getting lathered up about becoming tech billionaires when there are 10,000 other choices. And at the end of the day, if you want to be self-employed and you've got handy skills, there's nothing wrong with becoming a handyman or woman charging 60 bucks an hour, making 100 grand a year and having this wonderful thing. You're still self-employed. You're still completely free. You still control your destiny. It's just a question of what you are built for. Yeah. So, so much there. So well said. And I'm glad you made that clarification because I can tell you that at first glance and starting to read the book felt to me like it was a, about saying you're born or you're not born an entrepreneur. And I'll come back to that question, but this point that you make as well about uh, the unicorns, it's one of the reasons, Gino, that I started this show because I, having been an avid reader of all of that content, books and periodicals, it's all about, you know, being the next, uh, the next Apple. And I know that's not going to be me. Right. And so it's about this helps this, that explanation helps us understand that it's about identifying who you really are and then making sure you're in alignment with that, or it's going to be really hard or it's going to lead to failure. Right. If you pretend exactly. to be an entrepreneur, if you pretend to be at that far right of that arc, uh, it's going to be hard to impossible to be successful. Exactly. You know, and it prompts a couple really important points. And I, 
you know, I just, I love what you're doing. You know, your podcast was one of my top 10 hit list podcasts that I wanted to do because you are really providing a great service to the entrepreneur world because you are speaking to and teaching the everyday entrepreneur, which is where 99.9% of all entrepreneurs are. I always like to say there's nothing wrong with building a $3 million heating and cooling company that's admirable. Yeah. So it's not all about becoming a tech billionaire, number one. And number two, you know, when we talk about these six essential traits, I do believe you're born with them. And we'll talk more about that. But the point is, if you don't have them or redline them, it's okay to, you know, have a one person show if you want to be self-employed. Right. And to further then define that, part of what you're uh, defining as being over to the full entrepreneur side, you've given several definitions in the book, but one of them is an entrepreneur is someone who sees a need or an opportunity and then takes a risk to start a business to fulfill it. Now, I could I could apply that same definition to a self-employed person. I think Gino, and I'm sure you agree with me that the entrepreneurial side is when you start to bring in others and you're no longer trading necessarily dollars for hours, right? You're, you're migrating over into that area where you're leveraging the skills and the abilities of other people to do the work. That's when you go into the realm of entrepreneurship, is that fair? We 100% agree. So it's those exact words you read with the addition with people. You build that organization with people. That's when you've crossed the line to entrepreneur. And, and this little example sometimes helps when you think about that entrepreneurial range and you think about that example of that handy person that goes out, becomes a handy man, handy woman. Well, if they don't have the six essential traits, again, they're going to be a very successful handyman or woman making 100 grand a year. But if they do, they can't help themselves but to build an organization because they're going to do the math and they're going to say, wait a second, I'm charging 60 bucks an hour. If I go hire somebody for 25 bucks an hour, I get to keep that 35 bucks an hour, market myself, continue to grow at another person. All of a sudden, within five or 10 years, that person's going to end up with a construction company because they can't help themselves because they are a true entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, well said. This is Henry Lopez with a brief interruption to share a special offer from our show sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Thanksgiving and Black Friday may look a little different this year, but there's still a lot to be thankful for, like being able to find the right people for your team when the holiday rush has you ramping up your small business needs. So when you're ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person for your business fast. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 706 million members worldwide. And getting started with LinkedIn Jobs is easier than ever. I really appreciate the new features to help you find qualified candidates quickly. You manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined onto one simple screen. I also like the ability to identify strong candidates with their efficient rating system to help quickly get your job in front of more qualified candidates. And one of the new capabilities I really appreciate is that I can do all of this from my mobile device no matter where I may be. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash how. Again, that's linkedin.com slash H-O-W to 
to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. My dad was a good example. He was a master carpenter, but he never could get beyond just being himself. He never thought anybody else's work was good enough. He never trusted that anybody else could do it at the same level. He always undermined himself. But the truth is that that's not who he was. He was a, a self-employed person. He was a solopreneur. Exactly. And just as quick, though, in this book, I do want to also really hit between the eyes the point that, you know, this is a cautionary tale. I am trying to talk people out of becoming an entrepreneur that shouldn't be entrepreneurs, you know, so to that point that you just described, the, the, the travesty is, is, again, there's so much hype around being an entrepreneur that these people are being led to believe that that's like the ultimate destination in life, the ultimate pinnacle. When I'm trying to help people that aren't and aren't cut out for this, I'm trying to prevent them from 10 years of hell and misery. So I'm trying to help, even though the news is a punch in the gut when they realize, holy cow, I don't have these six essential traits. Yeah, it is. And I'm so glad you explained it that way because that's so well said. But it is because, again, I think what we struggle with is whenever we're told, well, you, you, you can't do that, you're either born with it or not. I think we certainly as Americans, we resist that, right? It's like, well, I'll show you. Your point is that you're just going to set yourself up for misery and failure in all likelihood. Instead, what you offer as we get into these different six traits is other options that might be a better fit for you if you're honest with who you really are. Exactly. And, and again, I'm, all I'm equipped to do in life is to help an entrepreneur live an amazing life. So as for what the other 9,999 options are, you know, that's for you to decide. But the good news is to check the box and say, okay, that's not for me you're one step closer to figure out what the thing is for you. That's right. And so these six traits, these essential traits that, that Gino talks about in the book, as he said, these are traits that can't be taught, but they can be discovered. And I think that's another good qualifier, Gino, is that it could be latent within me and I just don't know if I do or don't have this trait, right? Yeah, and, and, and again, my, I wholeheartedly believe you're born with these traits. And, and when I have great debate and conversation around that, I'll have an entrepreneur that said, yeah, well, you know, I think about myself growing up. I believe they've always been in you. And for many, they knew it their whole lives. Mm -hmm. But for some, there was some reason they were held back from fully being themselves. And some something in their life happened that finally enabled them to be themselves, take that leap, get that kick in the ass. You know, a lot of times it's somebody that gets fired at 28 years old and all of a sudden they have to survive. Boom, those six essential traits, they come to light and all of a sudden they were always there. They were just kind of sleeping. Yeah, yeah. All right, so those six essential traits are visionary. You have to be a visionary. You have to be passionate is number two. You have to be a problem solver is number three. You have to be driven is number four. You have to be a risk taker. And number six is you have to be responsible. I, I wish I had the hours to spend the deep dive, but that's what the book is about. I want to touch in on a few of them and ask you a couple of questions. What you had just said in particular brings me to number one, which is visionary. I had always struggled with that. And I love that you define it very well in the book because I don't know that I've ever been a person like an Elon Musk that can see the future you know, or Steve Jobs. And I always thought, well, that must mean that maybe I don't have this trait. 
but you stated so creative so so well in here that it's it's not just that it's about being imaginative it's about being creative inventive ingenious enterprising and once you gave me that definition i can see myself there yeah and and i what i would suggest you know we talk about that entrepreneur range i talk about the entrepreneurs that redline that entrepreneurial range to the right. I talk about the Elon Musk. So those are people, they're the extreme end of the scale. I'm nowhere near that extreme end of the scale. And so, yes, we have varying degrees. And so another way of saying what you're saying, just to take a little pressure off for the listener, but at the same time, I don't want to let anybody off the hook because some of you just don't have this visionary trait and it's okay. You're going to be fine in life. Going back to the $3 million heating and cooling company. That owner of that company exhibits visionary skills because when they're looking at how they go into a home and fix the air conditioning unit and furnace and they figure out a way to streamline the process or you know get their tech out there faster or those are all visionary, those are all ideas, those are all ways of connecting the dots. And so that's a form of visionary. Yes, you're not inventing the next iPhone, right. um, but, but those are all forms of vision, visionary. So the yeah. visionary trait, you just see things different than people do. You see opportunities, you connect dots, you put things together. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so thank you for that definition. Because again, for me, I, again, I, I'm also nowhere near that end of the spectrum, but I do have enough. I have enough confidence now that I do have enough vision to be a successful entrepreneur. Uh, passionate, which is number two, is another one that I've talked a lot about on this show, Gino, because I get confused with this one. You know, there's so much talk nowadays about you have to pick a business that you're passionate about, but then at the same time, I can be passionate about, um, you know, dogs and maybe I can't make a business out of that, right? Can't I just be passionate about business? Can't that be my passion? For sure. And, and that's why, so when I talk about this passionate trait has to do with passion for your product, your service, your thing, this void you want to fill in the world. And so you get to choose your passion. And I literally write an entire chapter in this new book on how to discover your passion, because it is the number one reason you're going to succeed or fail. The only thing that gets an entrepreneur to get back up after getting knocked on their ass 10 times is passion because it's pure stupidity that we keep getting up and fighting this battle, yeah. but we just want to pursue this passion. And so, yes, if you're passionate about business, then you're probably going to go down a road that has more to do with businesses. And so, you know, you may start a private equity firm, you may become, you know, a true serial entrepreneur. You know, I'm passionate about business. That's why I work with so many different businesses. At the end of the day, I'm passionate about entrepreneurs, but okay. that's not too far off from being passionate about business. So you'll get into something that has to do with business if you're passionate about business. Hopefully I'm making that clear enough. Who knows yeah. what the passion is, but it always tends to stem from some kind of wound, pain, an issue, some aha moment in your life that that clicks. And for me, it wasn't until, you know, my mid to late 20s, which is still pretty early. For others, sometimes it's not till you're 45. And for some, it's when you're eight years old. It's different for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you put it that way. I know certainly for me, part of what what makes me passionate is wanting to create beautiful things, as I say it. And that could be as simple as a document that I create, but it represents me or 
when I built my frozen yogurt shop with my partner, David Begin, we built something that to us represented who we were and delivered the remarkable service that, that, that uh, Seth Godin talks about. That's what I'm passionate about. And for me, it comes from childhood and growing up going to Disney World and how that inspired me, that level of detail, that level of quality and customer service. So I'm passionate about providing that through the businesses that I create. Yeah, and I, and I believe you can turn any passion into a business, and I'll debate that to my death. Really? Okay. And the person that can't figure out how to turn the passion into a business, they just don't have the other traits, or they're not money motivated, okay. but, but you can turn any passion into a business. Okay, that's fair. All right. Uh, so number three was problem solver. Number four, driven. Number five, risk taker. I want to stop at number six because I think this is so important. I come across this all the time, as I'm sure you do, Gino. And, and I'm an old guy, so it, I, I tend to get <laughs> on my soapbox and say, nowadays, these kids, you know, but that's not the case. <laughs> that, that, that inability that some people have of taking blame, of looking at themselves first, of taking responsibility and accountability. To me, this, this might be the most important one of all. I love that you said that because I couldn't agree more, but they're not weighted. So they're all equal weighting. But what I love about this one is it's always so jarring or shocking for people when they hear it, because it's so different than the other five, but it's vital if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. And so when you're responsible, when you have this trait, you blame no one. And so here's the way I like to explain this. And here's also why it is a God-given trait that you are born with that cannot be taught. Traits cannot be taught. You're born with them. And here's how you know. And so if you, the listener out there, think about your friends and your family, you can put them all into one of two categories. Whenever something bad happens to them, whenever something goes wrong, they either default to blaming everyone else or someone else for their problem, or they take responsibility for their problem. It's one or the other. And as you're listening, you are in one of those two camps. And so you need to be honest with yourself because if you don't have this trait, you are not going to succeed as an entrepreneur. And then here's how I know that it's that you're born with it. It's nature over nurture. Picture a family with four kids, okay? In, in you listening out there with multiple siblings, you can put each one of those siblings in each one of those two buckets. And what's ironic, it's in the same household, you'll put two of those four siblings in one and two in the other. It's mixed. And so how is that possible in the same household, same upbringing, same parents, that it's so completely different? And so that's my little way of really describing this responsible trait so that you, the listener, can really do a checkup on yourself and be honest as to whether you have it or not. Yeah, yeah I love that. And, and I, I see it again and again. It's, it's so easy to, for people to, to blame something else, especially, you know, we've just gone through or going through COVID. So it's, it's yeah, it's, there's a lot of blame to place there, but it's how you respond to that and whether you take responsibility and accountability to, to figure out what's next. Exactly right. Listen, these are the cards we were dealt. I love somebody shared with me a great description of somebody who's responsible and a responsible person if their building gets hit by a meteor they believe that's their fault <laughs> their problem in other words they chose the building they yeah. chose the they built that building so it just right. it just really you know make drives the point home I and so it. same thing with covid these are the cards we're dealt now we that's go right. forward and we now deal we with forward. it and i think it relates so closely to then you then are the person that says i'm 
I'm capable of taking on now the pressure of making the decisions to get us out of this particular situation. Exactly right. Yeah. All right. In the book is, is an assessment. And I took the assessment, the entrepreneur and the making assessment. It's also on your website. I got a 96 score. Hey, uh, congratulations. I, yeah, which I thought was pretty good. You know, a couple of the things that, that kind of were where I dinged myself is, is on the point of, do you have a lot of energy? And I think that I still do, but I have all kinds of sleep issues hmm. that I think drain me a little bit on energy. So I gave myself a three there, but that is so critical. I think, Gino, that to make sure, obviously health, we have only so much control over that. Some might argue more than others, but you gotta have the energy and some health to be a successful entrepreneur. Is that what you have found? Oh, no question. I mean, you need it. You've got to outwork everyone around you, you know, especially during the startup phase. So yeah, you have to have energy and, and you just have to do the things that build energy, diet, exercise, meditation. If you're having sleep issues, sleep is so vital, you know, go get a sleep study, buy an aura ring. I mean, do the things I'm obsessive about my sleep. So do the things necessary to make sure that your energy is high. Uh, because, you know, in your 20s, you can muster up anything. I borderline killed myself and I was so unhealthy. But if I went at that pace, living the lifestyle I lived in my 20s, now in my 50s, I'd be dead right now. Yeah. So let me just ask you about that for a moment. That, you know, trait number four is to be driven, which is a lot about that. How, how did you get better at, I call it balancing that and, and working smarter, maybe? Is there a tip or a thought you can share on that? Yeah, for sure. And going into this, you know, again, this is a trait that you're born with. And so if you have this trait out there, you have an internal fire, a sense of urgency, you're competitive, you want to succeed, you're self-motivated, you hustle, you love working hard. And so again, if you're that and you've been that your whole life, um, it is really hard for you to put on the brakes, hit, you know, stop at the stop sign, take a breath, so, so very much so. Um, and, and a big part of this is strategic coach. Dan Sullivan is a coach of mine and it really helpful to help me learn how to take free days, take time off. And so for 20 years of building EOS worldwide, I took 150 days off a year. And so you still have to take time off. You create a container of time for yourself, as I like to call it. And you can accomplish anything as long as you commit to that container and don't exceed that container because simply put, that's when you have to start adding people once you expand the capacity of that container. But I was fanatical about taking time off. So I, I've taken an August sabbatical every year for 20 years, the entire month of August, um, while being a hard charging driven entrepreneur. So it's a fallacy that says you have to work 24 seven. But the days, the weeks, the hours when I'm working, I go really hard, really intense. They're always almost 11 hour days, um, but I very much protect my free days and my free time. Yeah, love that. I love that approach. And it also being gone that month proves whether you've built a company that, in other words, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, because if you can go away for that long and the business doesn't die, you've got something. Bingo, exactly right. All right. We've been talking about entrepreneurial leap, but I know you're a big reader. In fact, you have a list of books in this book. Is there a book that comes to mind, Gino, that you would recommend in addition to yours, especially on this topic that we've talked about? Uh, yeah. And just to back up really quick, you know, you mentioned the assessment. I just really urge your listeners to please go to the website, take that assessment. It's free. 
If you score 90 or higher, you're probably on the right side of that entrepreneurial range, e-leap.com. I'm sure you're going to give them all that in the show notes, but I just please do that for yourself. It's, it costs you nothing but 10 minutes of your time. As for the book, I would recommend, you know, thinking about your audience and the one that had one of the biggest impacts on me, and I feel like your readers have probably heard this a thousand times, but it's Think and Grow Rich. In other words, if you haven't read that, that is just a timeless classic about success principles that I fear are going away, getting diminished, being looked down upon, you know, it's in, in the 20s, becoming a millionaire was revered and, and admired. And, and now, you know, there's, it's so funny. You hear these young people, there's almost a sense of guilt when they say, I want to be a millionaire. Listen, people, it's okay to want to be a millionaire. So Think and Grow Rich, highly recommended if you haven't read it. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. And we'll have a link to that as well as, like you said, to the, the assessment, which is on e, is e-leap.com, right? Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. All right, Gino, unfortunately, I have to start to wrap this up. I could keep going for hours. What's, uh, what's one thing you think you want us to take away from this conversation we had on this topic of, you know, are you an entrepreneur or do you need to honestly assess where do you fall on that spectrum? What's one thing you want us to take away? Hmm, boy, um, I would say, oh, there's so many things I want to share. I... <laughs> There's one other, a, a nugget I want to leave them with, which is also free, because once you confirm that you're an entrepreneur in the making, I believe the next biggest awareness for you in the determination of your success is that you build the business you were born to build, build the business you're built for, build the business you're drawn to. And so there's another free tool I created called My Biz Match, which helps you just in 20 minutes, click a bunch of buttons and out pops the perfect business for you, helping you determine if you're a product entrepreneur or a service entrepreneur, if you're a B2B entrepreneur, a B2C entrepreneur, if you're a high cost, low volume, low cost, high volume, and how big of a business you really want to build. And so that's the nugget I really want to leave your audience because I think that might help have the biggest impact in addition to everything else we talked about. Right. Because that's the thing that people struggle so much with. Okay. Like you said, now that, that I know I've got these traits or I know where I fall on the spectrum, it's that whole process then of figuring out what's a, what's a good fit for me. What's a business that makes sense for me. What's a business that makes sense for the resources that I have or don't have. Exactly. Because every entrepreneur can't be successful in every business. You know, there's, you are definitely built for something specific and that's going to help create clarity for you. So that my biz match, I didn't see that. That's at, at the eLeap.com uh, site as well. eLeap.com. Yes. Okay. All right. Wonderful. All right. So again, uh, where we go to get more information, to find the assessment, to learn more about the book, to find this tool, my biz match is at e-leap.com, correct, Gino? Yeah, so that's the epicenter of everything. That's where you can buy the book. There's nine free tools there. So this whole model is a pure book play for me. I've got nothing else to sell you. And, and with that said, if anyone out there loves teaching, helping, guiding, coaching entrepreneurs, there's also an opportunity to become a collaborator where I give you all of my tools for free and you freely go teach them to the entrepreneurs you're helping in the world. 
So there's also that opportunity. That's but, separate from the EOS tools you're talking about here? I'm, oh yeah, this is okay. all entrepreneurial leap we're talking about. Leap, yeah, leap stuff. Okay. This, this is for people that want to help budding entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in the making. EOS is for a, you know an existing business with employees that exactly. needs to run a better business. Exactly. Wonderful. Gino, uh, this has been, as I thought it would be a tremendous conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your knowledge with me today and being on the show. Oh, I had a blast. You're, you're really good at this. Well done, Henry. Thank you. I appreciate that, sir. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today, again, of course, was Gino Wickman. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at our website, thehowabusiness.com, or just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.